All right, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the third season of uh, Hyper Talks. Uh, I'm today's host, Daniel Monson. With me, I have my co-host, Tobin Sidney Smith. Hello. And uh, today's guest, David Friedlinger. Hello. Welcome. Before we start, uh, we would like to give a big thanks to Beppo Studios for uh, letting us be here today and record. So today we'll talk about uh, the interesting topic of GDPR. But before we do that, I propose that we do a check-in. Today's check-in question, since we have a new year, we will ask, what's your new year's resolution? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll start. Um, So for my new year's resolution, I tried to keep it simple. Given that we're at school this year, uh, I want to land a job in 2018. All right, that's a good one. Okay, mine is, I, apart from being a lawyer, I also play the piano, so I, and I bought a new piano that the end of last year. So my new resolution is to um, learn um, Beethoven's eighth piano sonata, the Patetic Sonata. That's been a big dream in my life, so uh, (laughs) that's that's my newest resolution. That's cool. My newest resolution is actually to spend less unnecessary time on social media. Uh, maybe do something useful with that instead, like read a book or something. Or play the piano. Play the piano as well, maybe. <laughs> and uh, before we jump into to the topic of today, to get to know our guest David here with some questions. Sure, go ahead. So, uh, David, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, thanks. So I'm an attorney, a business attorney, uh, on my, my 18th year in my career. And I am a partner at a Swedish law firm called Lindahl Law Firm. We are the third largest law firm in Sweden. And I had our group or practice for information and communications technology. Uh, and of course, indeed, the GDPR becomes sort of a hot topic within um, uh, w- within that. Uh, and it's uh, it's has been a f- IT and, and telecoms and, and, and the data privacy stuff has been a focus area for the firm for many years. But uh, I think data privacy has not become rock and roll actually until the, the last two years. But that feels <laughs> great. <laughs> So, what's your education? Well, I am uh, I'm a lawyer, so obviously I have a law degree, uh, but I also have a background. My, my dream originally was to become a journalist, actually. So, I started by studying history of ideas and sociology. So, I also have a master's degree in sociology, uh, actually, and I always kept that interest. So it's, it's a combination. And of, I also studied music. So, but sort of for my profession, I have a law degree. So, uh, GDPR, or General Data Protection Regulation, is coming into effect 25th of May this year and is set to uh, replace the the Data Protection Directive and the UK Data Protection Act of of 1998. Uh, And after many years of of debate, this new set of European Union regulation involves the protection of personal data and the rights of, of the individuals. And the aim is to, to ease the flow of personal data across the 28 EU member states. And for our, our listeners that didn't understand the word that I just said, is there an easier, easier way to, to explain it, David? Yes, uh, and no. I mean, <laughs> you, you said the truth, right? So, But I think, I mean, this is about personal data. And uh, to, I mean, personal data is any kind of information that is related to an individual, basically an individual alive. So we can think about simple stuff like names, addresses, telephone numbers, but also uh, your 
I mean, the, the grocery store will will cover your eating habits, how how much you buy for for what kind of clothes you buy. Google knows very much about us, our our interests, where my car is parked, and all that data is also related to me as an individual. That is personal data, and obviously there is a massive flow of personal data all over the world. And actually, so this is uh, what the GDPR is about to uh, protect us as individuals when that data is processed i can talk more about that and also uh, as you said to this is a european union legislation right uh, and as as we know one of the aims of the european union is, is to establish an internal market without sort of internal frontiers at least from a, from a legal perspective so you want to harmonize uh, harmonize the rules so that that is also the aim but the main aim i would say is this protection of this uh, of our rights as individuals when that data data is processed That's all very interesting. A big debate, to my understanding, was the right to be forgotten and how this came into play of how the GDPR was going to be kind of formulated. Want to tell us more about how it's going to be going forward? Yeah, sure. And it's all based on a big misunderstanding, actually, that this is something new. So so I will tell you the story. I mean, as often happens, coming from the media, misinterpreting things, Mm -hmm. right? So as as you said before, I mean, the... um, Today, this is not something new, really. We have had a data protection directive in uh, Europe, in the European Union since 1995, and uh, it has been implemented in the different member states. In Sweden, we call it Persona Piftlagen. You, you referred to the UK Act um, recently and bef- uh, before, and, and then we have how many member states do you, do you have? Is it 25, 20, 27? No, yeah. Don't remember, but I mean, everyone has has this. So this legislation applies all of today, also in Spain. And in Spain, there was a Spanish um, citizen called Gonzalez in surname. So, and he had entered into bankruptcy, I think, or had some had some financial problems in the late 1990s. And there was a newspaper article written about him on on the web. And I, as as I understand it, those articles created problems for him today to make business because now and he no longer had these, these problems. So he went to these newspapers and said, can you please delete those newspapers? And they said, well, we have freedom of speech. There's no chance. But then he went to Google saying that, can you please delete these links to these articles? And he claimed this right, what's then called the right to be forgotten. Mm. But this was in, I don't recall when, when the this process started actually, but this was definitely before the GDPR. I think it was right 2010 2011 something like that uh, and that was in a spanish court uh, and and google objected saying well this doesn't apply to us we're a uk company we're based in california and had all of the, all these objections uh, and that but eventually he won uh, and which sort of ironically means that he will never be forgotten uh, for, 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 for that for that reason right but then i mean the story is, I mean, that that was based on an interpretation of the the currently current legislation that mm-hmm. that European Union, the, the Data Protection Directive, and now with the GDPR, sort of the outcome of that uh, ruling is sort of codified, mm-hmm. uh, really, and but there is nothing new here. That right exists all the time. So it doesn't actually day. change. No, it doesn't change. Huh. I mean, there are some nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, any lawyers out there would say, oh, well, it changes in some way, but basically it doesn't change. Mm. And, and the main thing and the main sort of headache about the right to be forgotten is that all what's called the data controllers, we, we can talk about that, what that is, but that's the, the entities, the companies or authorities being sort of responsible for, for processing the data. They have an obligation to delete or erase the data when sort of the purpose for processing the data is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. 
And that is sort of a main headache because it also applies to, to all backup copies of, of all personal data, etc. So there's nothing really new here with, with the right to, be, uh, right to be forgotten. From the company's point of view, to my understanding, there has been a lot of work for them uh, with, with this new regulation. But what exact responsibilities will companies have or, or yeah, what changes do they have to mm-hmm. make? No, it's it's a massive work ongoing. I I think which I think find a bit fascinating actually, since I, I work with this and I have many colleagues working with this um, massively every day. Just one more piece of information about the background to the regulation. We have the um, European Union Charter that entered into force in I think two thousand eight two thousand nine, and that's basically a you know a catalogue catalog of rights of human rights. Uh, and we are quite unique within the European Union that we have a right to protection of our personal data in uh, uh, in Article of that uh, of, of the charter so one way of reading the GDPR is as is sort of expressing this right in a, in a very detailed way what does it mean that these companies have to protect that human right and I think that's quite fascinating actually seeing our clients and seeing companies all and authorities and NGOs all over Europe and also outside Europe because it will apply to companies outside Europe as well which we can discuss later putting in massive work to protect a human right. I think that is quite uh, quite cool, actually. And in the GDPR, there is uh, so there are two different roles you can have. Either you can be a data controller, and uh, which is concept I mentioned uh, just before, and that is when when you decide the purpose and means of the processing. So if you are a, a retailer or uh, something like that, and then I or you go to the grocery store, you use your card or in a loyalty program or something like that, then they collect your data and they use Ooh. that. So they have decided that they want to do that and they want to collect and process your data. So they are data controllers. You can also be a supplier to to another company and then sort of processing the data on behalf of another company. So for example, you can be, you know, you can be Amazon or Google or you don't really process the data on your own behalf, but you store the data or something. That's called the data processor. One thing that is new here is that today the data processor has no obligation under under the current legislation uh, and this is changing so so now the data processors have will have their own obligations that's mainly related to information security but that that is a big thing actually and I, it sort of makes sense when the uh, data protection directive was written that was it was negotiated and written about simultaneously when the internet was born so it's not really up to date in that mm. sense and when they negotiated that no one thought of google or facebook so so so, uh, so it makes sense that those massive data processing companies also have some um, get some some responsibilities but the main responsibilities remain as today with the data controller mm. and and it's uh, I mean, you can summarize. It's a set of principles that you have to follow that are are, are expressed in in different articles of the, uh, of the of the GDPR and also in the current legislation. So you have to have a legal ground for for doing it. So you have to to be able to rely on either a consent from us to do it or. You, that you have to process the data in order to fulfill a contract or you may be an authority and you cannot fulfill your duties as an authority without processing the data. So that's important. You have to have a legal ground. You have to inform us. as We, we are called the data subjects in this sort mm-hmm. of act or role play. Uh, you have to inform us about how, what data you will process and why the purpose mm-hmm. of the processing and how long will you keep the data and will you share it with some others, etc. And will you transfer it outside the European Union? So, so that information is a tra- big transparency requirement. And then there are other, and I, I shouldn't, I won't, I, I won't go through 
entire catalog. But those are two big important things. But then also information security is important. You have to take technical and organizational measures to protect the data and then ensure that not more people within the company that really needs to have access to the data also has access to the data, for example. And you have to, of course, ensure from a technical perspective that it's properly encrypted, access rights and things like that. And also these organizational measures. And I think one of the big things for the companies today where they have challenges is that no one is really, well, I wouldn't say no one because there is a current legislation and some are really good at this today. But many companies, they are not organized mm. to really comply uh, with this legislation. And data, personal data is everywhere. It's in, in the marketing department, it's in the IT department, it's in the sales department, it's in the finance department, it's everywhere. So, and it's not enough that you have one individual being responsible for this. It mm-hmm. has to be a sort of distributed responsibility. So that is also something that the companies are doing apart from trying to map where is the data, what data do we have and why do we process it, etc. They also ask themselves, how should we organize ourselves to be able to comply with this legislation? Mm-hmm. And, and we will talk about I mean, the, there's some significant fines that you can face if you don't comply. So it's important mm-hmm. that, they, that they do this. So you talked about the new responsibilities of the processors of data. You mm-hmm. talked about uh, the increased responsibilities of the data controllers and how the individual is gaining more rights to know what they're doing with their data. Yeah. But how does that exactly changing? Because right now when you go on a website and they want to use your information, most t- of the time you get an update being like, hi, we use cookies on this website, we're going to use your data. Mm. So how is that going to be changed with the GDPR? Is it going to be more intense? Is it going to be more uh, apparent? How is Mm. that changing? Yeah, no, and it... um now I have to sort of put on my lawyer's hat. It depends. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say. So cookies uh, is another legislation, actually. That's also currently ongoing negotiations with this e-privacy regulation, what's going to happen at the cookies. Sometimes cookies can be um, personal data, but quite often it is not, um, actually. So I, I think, I mean, there is a lot of, it, it is a big hype about the GDPR, but if you look at the current legislation and the new legislation, there are some important differences but sort of the substance remains the same. I mean, the fuss is about the fines, the, the administrative fines that you can face if you break this. Because today, it won't... Co- I mean, depends on where you are. I mean, some, some UK companies have faced, faced significant fines, actually, uh, for, for breaking, these, uh, breaking these rules all in, under the current legislation. And there are other examples all over Europe. But today... If things go really bad, you can face a fine of 4% of your turnover and sometimes 2%. I mean, that's sort of the maximum level. Uh, it will be in exceptional cases that those uh, fines are, are actually imposed. But it's the raised fines, actually, that uh, creates very much of the fuss. So many things will remain the same, but everyone will pay more attention. So I think on the websites, yeah, you will still have the privacy policies, that will remain the same, but they will contain more information. They will probably be easier to read because that's a more an explicit requirement mm. because the date they're quite hard to understand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? So you see what I mean? There, there are many things will remain the same, but there will be nuances uh, and there will be more emphasis on, 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 on certain things, etc. Mm. But, but then we can talk about that. There are definitely new things as well that we are important as well that thing that the data processor have their own obligation being one important thing. And what kind of responsible uh, do I have as a regular regular internet user? Is there going to be any changes for me? No, as a private individual, you don't have... You, I wouldn't say that you have any, any obligations, um, actually. You have rights. Mm. Um, but if I'm a, a small business owner, mm. say I... Uh, I'm a designer and I'm a freelancer. Uh, how can my business uh, like uphold these new regulations and 
define client data and collection and storage? Like, what is the best way about me making myself transparent as possible? Mm. Yeah, and I think, first of all, you have to make a decision whether you think this is important or not. I, I got an email from a small company yesterday and he, he asked me, I, I am a service provider. I have this cloud service that I'm providing to, to, my, to my customers. And I've heard that we need this data processor agreement, which is correct. There is an agreement that has to be entered into between the customer and supplier. And he said, can I sort of bake them into the general terms and conditions? Because I'm a bit concerned that my customers will be get worried that they sort of talk mm. about personal data. And I responded to him, I, I think you're wrong, actually, because I mean, this just will only look professional by you sort of you help your customers fulfill their obligations and and in in relation to your customers if they are like us i mean data subjects or fiscal individuals why why would that i mean it only sort of shows that you intend to fulfill this legislation that you're transparent mm-hmm. that's my my view i know not everyone shares that but i think you will you you want the data so you do have to earn them so i think that's first when I mean, you have to make a decision Do I think this is important? Do I want to comply or do I want to avoid it? Mm -hmm. But then you have to just think about, so what what categories of individuals who's, I mean, the the personal data, it it typically is allocated among different categories of of, of data subjects. So you you make process data about customers, uh, which can be consumers or I mean, it's the companies, uh, if, if the customer is a company, they don't have any rights. But the contact persons that you have in your CRM system, for example, they will have those rights. So, so the customer is a, big, is a big category. And then, of course, you have the employees. I mean, those are the main categories. And then, but it will depend. I mean, we, we did a project for a bank recently and they had like... I don't recall, it was like between 15 and 20 different categories. Um, so you have to think there, what... what categories of data subjects do I have and then start to think about all right so what kind of personal data do I process about them and where are where is this data in which systems are that you have to map it and then start to ask yourself some questions why do I process this set and to be prepared to go out with this information which you have in these privacy policies that you already see today mm-hmm. in, in, on, on the website to inform the data subject. So th- those are some some steps I mean to make a decision to do it and then to start to map. Uh, mapping exercise uh, and then to sort of implement some uh, some actions for example the, about the information that was a good answer thanks it made a lot more clear i'm wondering about uh, brexit and gdpr does that have any correlation whatsoever or or effects yes and no but as i recall the uk has declared that they will follow uh, the same rules and there may be some some differences being outside the european union of course you have a sort of greater freedom of what you can do but i think they will probably um, stick to the uh, sort of the core of the rules and the, and this is important to tell you why because uh, there's a, a one of the principles under the gdpr is that as a general rule you may not transfer personal data outside the european economic area which is european union Norway mm-hmm. and Switzerland and, and Liechtenstein or yeah don't recall what some may have some other countries but there are some exceptions to that one so so and one is um, if the country to you which you transfer the data is declared by the European Commission to have an adequate level of prote- data protection then you may transfer the data to that country so so I think countries like Canada the the um, New Zealand, etc. The Commission have declared that these countries have high enough protection, so you can transfer the data there. US, for example, is you know they 
they're not. Uh, they don't have um, an adequate level of protection. But this means that if the UK follows, basically follows the GDPR, then uh, there won't be a problem to transfer data to, to, to the UK. And this is, of course, important. Well, I'm glad to hear that Canada has got some uh, sophisticated uh, <laughs> rules. Um, my question would be, just follow up on that, if the UK follows the GDPR uh, rule set and then data can then be transferred from inside the EU to the UK, would data then be able to be transferred from the UK to the US or would that be violating the agreement? Mm, good question. I, I think probably would play out like this. I'm, a, for example, I'm a Swedish company. I use a supplier in in the UK, uh, and then we will have an agreement about that. And it will be okay for me as sort of the Swedish company to transfer the data to to the UK because they have this adequate level of, uh, level of protection. But in our agreement, it will probably have to say that you may not transfer mm. the data onward without having a legal ground for it. And this can be dealt with in different ways. In, in uh, don't know if you recall, there was this regime in, in, in the US a few years ago called Safe Harbor that um, you, you can sort of, it's a kind of self, it was a kind of a self-regulation if you're a company like Google and you can say, well, I, I will apply these Safe Harbor principles about data protection and then you can transfer the data to, to Google. Though that decision or that regime was annulled and there's, there's a new one I now called... Um, uh, the privacy shield. Uh, and actually, so it could happen that we say in our agreement with the Swedish and the UK company, yeah, you may actually transfer personal data to US companies being part of the privacy shield. Mm. Mm-hmm. Probably I will say if I'm if I'm the customer, if I'm advising my, my customer saying that, well, you have to get a consent from the UK or you have to get the UK company has to get, get my consent each time and then I will sort of try out each time. So it, it will be possible, but not without me knowing about it and I will have to regulate it in the contract. And I, I think, I mean, on that about the US, because this is, mm-hmm. of course, important. It's it's sort of the jurisdiction. When, when does the GDPR apply? Uh, and because going back to this right to be forgotten case with, with Gonzalez, as we spoke about earlier, that was one of Google's objections, actually, because you know the, the, the search engine is provided by, not by here in Sweden, not by Google Sweden or Google Spain in that case, because they are, couldn't say they're only sales offices, but quite much they are. It's actually the, the search engine is delivered by, um, you know, the, the US company, mm. Google Inc. In, in Palo Alto. So they said, well, these rules doesn't apply. They don't apply to us. And But the uh, European Court of Justice says, well, sorry, guys, <laughs> it does. <laughs> and that was quite controversial, actually. Mm-hmm. But but now that is sort of clarified in the in the GDPR. If you're also a company outside European Union, but you um, offer your services to data subjects within European Union, then these rules will apply to you. Mm-hmm. And that first case kind of set the precedent for that yeah. as well. Um, I just wanted to go back to talking about the, some of the penalties for not complying, because yeah. we touched on earlier, but mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't understand exactly how much the punishment can be changed under the new rule set. Mm. No, I mean, there are two two different sanctions, actually, and one is is actually damages to, to the data subjects. Wasn't it Uber now that had a massive leak, for example, mm-hmm. of yeah, personal data? So let's see what yeah. so let's let's see what happens there. But they may face a significant sort of damages to data subjects if we feel that. I mean, let's let's assume just for example that all of our um, bank data about our data bank transactions, all of a sudden we find them on the internet. 
that wouldn't feel great, right? So, so then you then you could argue that our privacy has been privacy has been violated by by a company, and then we can sue for damages. Mm-hmm. So that uh, and actually in Sweden, the, the damage on each individual is quite low. But if you have a few million customers, then the sort of the, build up fast. Yeah, it will mm. build up fast, and it can actually be billions uh, yeah. quite quite fast, right? Also for a Swedish company, I mean, we are a sort of a small small country. If you're in Germany or UK or France, it can be massive, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the damages to the data subjects. But most of the fuss is actually about these sanction fees because when the com- European Commission in European they have the only right to sort of propose legislation, they proposed the GDPR in in 2012. Then they said that well, we propose that if the maximum penalty for breaching those rules would be 6% of the turnover of the company. Uh, and there was a storm about that, a lot of negotiations, etc., etc. And then it landed on 4% um, as the maximum. And there is some uncertainty, actually, exactly how will that be calculated. So if you're a group of companies, I mean, for example, if you are Google, uh, and should, should you... How will you calculate? On on what level will you calculate? Yeah, do you it, calculate on Alphabet Inc. or do you calculate it on Google Maps? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there will be some clarity about um, that, that coming. And I, I think there's some discussions about it. But for for most companies, you are not Google, right? So mm-hmm. you have you have control of your, <laughs> your turnover. It's, it's a simple question. Well, you have to look at the turnover over last year and say, well, it's 4% of these that I am um, sort of that I'm risking here. At the maximum, as mm. I said before, no one thinks it will be in extreme cases if you have performed really, really sort of intentionally under sort of not performed according to the rules, mm. then that may apply. Yeah. So, David, um, there's been some discussion about how data portability is going to play into the GDPR. And I was mm. wondering if you could give us some insight on how that's going to change. Yeah, it's an interesting topic because that is one of the new stuff, right? I, I said before that most of the things in GDPR are already or there today in the directive. But data portability is something new. And when the European Commission proposed this um, this article, it was mainly about creating more competition within social media, actually. So it's, if you are, just to take a simple example, so if you're Google+, Plus, it can be a bit challenging to compete with Facebook, right? So, so because... Everyone has already uploaded all their stuff into uh, and their pictures and everything in, in in Facebook, and it will require more time than people would like to spend, right, to, to switch to, um, to to Google Plus. So the Commission then proposed, and that was also adopted in the legislation, saying to simplify that if there is data that the data subject has sort of given the data controller and there are some other prerequisites, then you have a right to a data portability, not meaning. First, that you have have a right to get the data from that company, but not only that, but also you can say to Facebook, please transfer my data to Google. But then something also interesting happened last uh, last year because there is this institution called Article 29 Working Party, which is sort of an advi- kind of a di- advisory board for European Commission, and they they pr- have opinions about how they think that this legislation should be interpreted, and it's quite powerful actually. And they said, well, we don't think that only that that this will apply to social media, but of course, but also to banks actually, because if if one of us goes to to the grocery store and pay with a Visa or Mastercard, there will be sort of data generated within the bank, right? And 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 they said to, to simplify that data should also be covered. Uh, and a lot of banks were not happy about that, and a lot of other. And it was a surprise to me actually as well because I don't think I mean I have a hard time comparing sort of uploading my picture or 
picture my children on Facebook with you know buying milk in the in the grocery store. <laughs> it's something different, right? Yeah. But that and and actually the European Commission then said, well, this is not really what we intended, and it creates sort of a mess. So let's see what the European Court of Justice says in the in the in the end, right? In the long run, but somehow this right will exist. And it it's intended to give us more control of our data and, and control of who is going to process our uh, our data. Perfect. So um, to round things off here, I think that we should do a checkout. Yeah. Today's checkout question is simply uh, how you feel. I feel uh, more informed, honestly. There was a lot about GDPR that I realized was mostly just uh, the media telling me. Uh, now I feel like I've got a more of a clear vision and I actually understand uh, what's happening and what uh, I need to do as an individual. I can build off on that too. Uh, I feel educated in, in GDPR and uh, maybe a bit more uh, more calm knowing that I will have more rights. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you're not. You didn't say you were confused. <laughs> you, you could. Have, you could have said. It. Actually, I'm. I am uh, more curious about Hyper Island. Perfect. Once again, big thank you, David, for being here today. Yes, thank you. Um, thank you. Also, once again, thank you to Beppo Studios for letting us record here today. One last thing, Tobin. Are we on? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, where can people find us? Yes, they can find us on Instagram and Facebook as HyperTalks, and then you can listen to the podcast anywhere you find your podcast. Acast, iTunes Podcast, it's all, all the good places, so hoping to see you guys there.